The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. On this episode, who do you love? Pre-combine draft crushes. Defensive players. I'm the columnist. I'm the analyst. And this is the Nick and Nolan Show. You ready? to the Nick and Nolan Show, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast with your host, Nick Bat. Sometimes I'll start a sentence and I don't even know where it's going. I just hope I find it along the way. And Bruce Nolan. I once worked with a guy for three years and never learned his name. Best friend I ever had. Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us for this edition of the Nick and Nolan Show, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Nick Bat. You can find me on Twitter at N-I-C-K-B-A-T. And along with me, as always... Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter at Bruce Exclusive. That's right. We are going to continue the conversation that we had yesterday. Hopefully you found that informative. You know, hopefully maybe you were looking around at some of the combine results that are floating around out there in the ether. And you checked in on guys like Van Jefferson or Jalen Rager or Adam Troutman and... Uh, Yeah, we hope you just are piquing your interest a little bit on some of these guys. We are going to do the same thing, but Bruce is going to share with us today some of the crushes that he has developed for the defensive side of the ball. Now, have you done, do you still have some position groups that you're working on on the defensive side of the ball, too? I do. I'm working through corners right now. I have not started safeties. Okay. Go ahead and give us some of the guys that you are interested in. What what positions are they? Let's start with uh, we have four edge defenders and a corner. Okay, I thought you said you haven't. Oh, you're you're just started corner. You haven't finished corners. I have not finished corners, but I haven't. I have enough of them done that I feel comfortable with this crush. All right, let's go ahead and do. Considering we're gonna have to do a break at some point, let's go ahead and do the corner first. Okay, the corner first. We've talked about how needs change depending on who we lose, and if Kevin Johnson walks in free agency, you're not gonna want to hear it. But corner becomes a need, and a need with a significant amount of leverage behind it. We are spending so little on corners. Did you yes, know this? So little. I did not know this. And I mean, it makes perfect sense because you've got Kevin Johnson. You don't even have EJ Gaines anymore. We cut him loose. You have an undrafted free agent and Tredavious White on a rookie <laughs> yeah, right. contract. I, a rookie con- I mean, we are paying like nothing on at, at corner compared to a lot of guys around the league. Now we're about to pay a lot in corner. Well, I think that is what would add to the 
credence of this idea. Mm. You're about to dump a shit ton of money into Tr- Tredavious White's piggy bank. And when you do that, it would be nice to not be paying a whole lot opposite him. That's true. I, I, I understand that logic. I really do. But a first round rookie paid, you know, got at 22 is on a four-year deal by default with a fifth-year option. They're under team control for five years. By that time, Tredavious White's deal could be over, depending on how significant the extension is that he gets. I mean, the other thing, too, is that Tredavious White is an all-pro corner. Now, do we want to draft another all-pro corner? Yes. Of course. But, you know, you draft guys that you think are going to be really good, and they don't wind up being that good where they're going to set the market. So, corner might be on the board at 22, and that is going to upset some people, but... It's 20, 22 is a bit rich for me. I will say that. So I'm, I'm interested in, uh, you know, 44, but I don't know about 22. What do we, what do we need second round? It's not 44. 54 is the Bills' second round pick. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. I forgot how many teams were in the league. <laughs> <sighs> Idiot. Okay, so, yeah, 54, that sounds like, I, I'm okay. I can listen to that. But, okay, go on. Give me, who's the guy? Who are we, who are we talking about here? So, his name is Jeff Gladney. He's from TCU again. I don't have a crush on TCU players, I swear. It just happened to roll this way. I was first introduced to Jeff Gladney last year when my wide receiver won, who was... Hakeem Nix? Hakeem Butler. Hakeem Butler. Just a bit outside. Iowa State. Iowa State played TCU. And Hakeem Butler was getting absolutely swarmed by this corner. And I was like, oh, who is this guy? And it was Jeff Gladney. Jeff Gladney, I guarantee you, the same way that I guarantee you that DK Metcalf was going to be loved by the Bills, and I might have been wrong, I guarantee you the Bills love Jeff Gladney. He will fight you literally for 60 minutes. Just straight up fight you. Man man coverage? Man coverage. Straight up fight you. His press technique needs a little bit of work. He doesn't reroute people as, as quite as well as I would like which is one of the reasons why he's not, you know, unanimously Jeffrey Okuda, for example. But he'll come up and he'll hit you. He'll tackle. And I think he can he has the length that I need. You know, he's got the requisite, you know, six, you know, 6 foot is kind of one of those bars for people when it comes to you know, when it comes to height and corners. He's got the height and the length I need to be able to play in zone coverage, but he's also got the athleticism to be able to keep up in man coverage and He'll come up and knock you up, knock your socks off. This is not a Deion Sanders selective tackler sort of a discussion. Um, knock you up. Yeah, he'll <laughs> he'll he'll knock you up. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. All right, All right I, said it. That's fine. I said it. I said it. You did. You did. We're owning right. it. We're owning We're it. We're owning it. We're moving on. We're going to pretend like that wasn't a misspeak Bruce on my is part. Just the hearts around Jeff Gladney in the uh, in Bruce's uh, yearbook from last pod. Darn straight. Yeah, there's uh, yeah. All right. So I made a note of him back when it was Hakeem Butler, and Jeff Gladney is a first round talent. Absolutely, he is. I I would be shocked if he makes it past Minnesota. Quite frankly. Oh, shit. But well, all right. It's one of those scenarios where I, I think he'll go in the first round, and I wouldn't be shocked if the Bills fell in love with him. Depending on what they do in free agency, if they were to get a defensive end they felt really good about in free agency and they were to acquire a wide receiver in free agency like AJ Green for example that opens up the door 
for people to feel much better about this pick at 22. Is it is it a problem? I mean, Sean McDermott, he plays kind of a zone-based defense, doesn't he? But not on the corners on the outside? or What's, what's yeah, the split? There's, there's still zone is still the foundational piece of this. But Does that make him a fit or a not fit? I think he can do both. I don't think he can. he's going to be held. I think the option of playing man, having a corner who can play man, gives you flexibility. Cause, yeah, because a lot of times we talk about how we just want we want Trey White to follow DeAndre Hopkins around, right? So yeah. the rest of the defense might be doing whatever it's doing, but we want to give their best receiver, we want to give them Trey White to deal with all game long, like unequivocally. Right now, that doesn't always work out, but that's a that's a card you have that you can play if you have a guy who can play man to that extent. Yeah, if you have a, a player who can play man at that level, that's just more options. And as a defensive coordinator, more options better than less options. And specifically because we have a fairly limited player in that spot right now, which is Levi Wallace. Jeff Gladney is not limited in any of the ways that Levi Wallace is. What are the odds you see? you know, the stars aligning in such a way that the Bills somehow are able to get him. He sounds a little rich to me. Like we would have to, things would, other things would have to be addressed in a significant way where the Bills would be able to take him at the bottom of the first. And that just seems, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if that jives with what I'm expecting right now. Now, expectations are going to change a lot in the next, you know, six weeks. But does it seem totally plausible to you or a little bit more unlikely than likely? I would say it's improbable. Not highly improbable, not impossible, not probable, just improbable. Okay. That's how I'm feeling about it, hearing you talk about it. Okay. So we've got four edge rushers? Four edge rushers. Because I know this is popular for people. Yes. And I want to talk about it. So we're going to start with some of the people I have a crush on. Okay. Curtis Weaver, Boise State. Is it? Are we going from top to bottom, middle... Well, I'll just uh, we'll fiddle around. We'll just bounce around. <laughs> All right, go ahead and talk to me. You about know me; I'm super loosey goosey with yeah, this stuff. Yeah, right. Totally yeah. not rigid at yeah, all. Yeah, there's no logical sequence to what no, we're doing. No, not at all. I just kind of fly by the seat of my pants. You know me; I'm I'm super relaxed all the time. Mm. Not intense. Just mm. you know, I just fly by the seat of my pants. You know what? What happens happens, man. If this pod doesn't land on Friday, I need y'all to send help because this is not Bruce. I do not know who is this is in the room with me. This is not Bruce. <laughs> Something horrible has happened. Yeah. I like Curtis Weaver. I am higher on Curtis Weaver than most. I, I, I almost guarantee you that. Where is he I, from? He, Boise State. Oh, yeah. Okay. Curtis Blue, Weaver. Bluefield. Bluefield. <laughs> Boise State played a lot of Curtis Weaver at linebacker. He does not profile that way in the NFL. Big guy? Right around 6'3", and he'll probably weigh in somewhere between 265 and 280, probably. Ooh, that is big for a linebacker. Yeah, well, the fact that he was playing as a linebacker at Boise State is kind of shocking. You see this big, thick guy. You know, he's not quite 6'5". You know, he's a little shorter than that, and he's he's got a weird, like a like a stocky frame, and you're like, you shouldn't be playing there. What's going on here? And it's because Boise State ran a lot of weird 3-3-5 looks over the course of its history, and there's just some other stuff going on at Boise State that made him that. But he's an edge rusher, and he's a base 4-3 defensive end. Now, the fact that he played in space so much means if I want to do some zone blitzing, I can, but he's not a linebacker. Clearly, he's not a linebacker. If I need him to drop into coverage, you know, for a zone blitz or something like that, I feel more comfortable with him than some 
more comfortable than someone like AJ Epinesa, for example. But I like Curtis Weaver. I like him a lot more than most. I think his lateral agility and technique means he wins in different ways than some other people. He's not a bursty, bendy, flashy pass rusher. So what do you mean by like lateral agility? He moves really quickly on an inside move. Like I've seen him set some people up like he's going to speed rush him and then quick dip inside and he gets inside your he'll get inside your inside shoulder quickly as an offensive tackle and you're like, "Well, crap, he's already passed me." Right? And then you have to hold at that point. And I like Curtis Weaver as a base end. I think he offers you some versatility. I think if you needed him, like I said, to do some zone uh, some zone blitzing stuff, dropping into coverage. I think if you need to play him inside at three tech on passing downs, you could do that. He's big enough. Right? And I think that he's got a good, thick frame to hold up and set the edge in run plays. My concern is the burst and the length. And he doesn't quite have the counter moves that I'd like to see right now. I think he has a really good first move. And he wins on technique. But that technique needs to extend to his second move. You know, it's like, you know, punching and counterpunching, right? But I think there's something to work with there. I really enjoyed watching him. And I think that if the Bills don't get one of those upper echelon pass rushers, and they're sitting there at the bottom of the second, and there's been a run on them, and they're like, gosh, you know, I think you could do worse than Curtis Weaver at 54. What number is he for you? He is edge five for me, which is markedly higher than he will probably be on most people's boards. Okay. So, I mean, it only takes one, right? But where where are most people mocking him to go? Most people have day two grade on him. Most people have somewhere between DE7 and DE10. Do you think that there's a chance he's there in... The third? Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. I wouldn't bet on it, but maybe. I didn't think Winovich was going to be there when yeah, he was. Yeah, that's true. So Winovich definitely fell. So I thought Winovich was a was a bottom of the first, top of the second kind of player. Speaking of that, how did Rashawn Gary turn out? I, I, I really didn't follow him at all. Not as good as Chase Winovich. I was right <laughs> on that. Rashawn, when the Packers drafted him, I was like, ah, and he, he, he was not, he did not flash as being great. Now, there are still hope for Rashawn Gary in Green Bay, but he didn't have an instant impact. Got it. Okay. Let's. What are we doing? Are we going up or down now? Let's go to edge seven. So we're going down. Okay. Darrell Taylor, Tennessee. I have him way higher, <laughs> I think. I, I, I'll level with you. There's some players, like Hakeem Butler last year. I got done, and I'm like, how does not everybody have him as wide receiver one? Like, I'm so confused as to how you could not have him. I actually famously used our first I think I'm taking crazy pills line was at Hakeem Butler. Hmm. I feel that way about Darrell Taylor from Tennessee. I look at him and I go, okay, length, check. Bend, check. Lateral agility, check. Motor, check. Uh, Why does everybody not love him? Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I will say, I don't love his instincts as a 4-3 defensive end. What do you mean? What 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 is... um? What is instinctual that a 4-3 defensive end does or does not do? So when you play 4-3 defensive end, you are closer to the action than as a, an off-ball linebacker. And as such, you have to be able to react quicker to things like zone reads, right? Counters, misdirections, things like that. And when you constantly see a 4-3 end making the wrong call 
on those, crashing down on a zone read when they're not supposed to, biting on a misdirection and getting beat on a naked bootleg, things like that, right? You go, mm, he well, has a hard time tracking the ball. Sometimes that player is your only line of defense. Yes. And if they make the wrong call, then you're gashed. Yeah. So if you have the eyes in the wrong spot, if your instincts are to, you know, ch- kind of chase and figure it out later, you know, discipline staying on the backside, things like that. Those all stuff goes into instincts. There are some questions there for me, for him, but I think that stuff can be learned. I'll tell you what can't be learned. Height, burst, bend, athleticism. And I'm 100% in on him day two as an impact player in this league. I think instincts, you know, ironically enough, the next person we're going to talk about has plus, 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 plus instincts. The next person we're going to talk to is kind of the anti Darrell Taylor. But I think I would take Taylor over him. You think that most people are going to have Taylor going in day three? I don't think most people will have him as edge seven. I think a lot of people will have him late day two, early day three, maybe. And I have him higher than that. So I the, really enjoyed watching his film. So if lot. the Bills grabbed him in the fourth round, that would be a big, big value for you. Oh, yeah. I would feel similar to the that as I felt to Vochon Joseph in the fifth round. Reminder, I loved the vast majority of our draft last year. Oliver, Jaquan Johnson, Vochon Joseph, I loved them. Loved them. I like Donnie. I like Dawson Knox pick. I didn't like Cody Ford because they said he was a, a tackle, but I loved him as a guard, right? And I didn't like the Devin Singletary pick because I didn't want to draft a running back. But we killed the draft last year. Killed the draft. If we got Darrell Taylor in the fourth, please. Like, just go ahead and just, everyone else should just hang it up. Because it's like fishing with dynamite. It's not even fair. All right. Well, I think with that, we'll take a quick break. We'll do our first break for this pod. Then we'll come back and finish the other two edge rushers. And then we will be right back. Stick with us. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us for this edition of the Nick and Nolan Show, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Nick Bat. I'm Bruce Nolan. And we are talking about Bruce's pre-combine draft crushes. Yep. All right. We have gone over three so far. We have the corner from TCU. Jeff Gladney. We have the end from Tennessee we just talked about. Gerald Taylor. And we have the end from Boise State. Curtis Weaver who was also a little bit of a stand-up uh, linebacker because of the funky formations they ran. Give me the next defensive end. Anthony Jennings, Alabama. The other Alabama edge. Everyone, when they talk about Alabama edge, they want to talk about Terrell Lewis. That's what they want to talk about from Alabama because he's he has the length, he has the fluidity, he's a better athlete, he has better burst. He's more of the prototype. But I really like Anthony Jennings. I really do. I mentioned to you that I had a, a, a negative on 
Darrell Taylor from Tennessee in instincts. I have instincts in all bolds with pluses next to it. For Is it circled and underlined with arrows? It is not circled and underlined with arrows. I must have made a mistake. Get your shit together. <laughs> Clearly, I missed out on the circles and the, the arrows. But speed to power, ability to move fluidly in space, versatility. Watch the Auburn game for some versatility. Instincts. Great instincts. I think Anthony Jennings is one of those high floor players who I think can be a starting base end for you for a decade. What uh, is he DE what for you? He is DE8 for me. And I I almost promise you, I, this is going to sound terrible. I have him above Josh, Josh Uche from Michigan. A lot of people have Josh Uche as like a second round pick. Maybe a low first. I like Josh Uche. I really do. But... I have Anthony Jennings ranked ahead of him. It only takes one. Cleveland, it only takes one. Cleveland Farrell. Cleveland Farrell. <laughs> I didn't have Cleveland Farrell in my top five edge rushers I last remember. year. And they drafted him with four overall. I remember. I, I, uh, I had Max Crosby, who they got in the fourth round. I had him ranked ahead of Cleveland Farrell. Crosby had a good year, I think, right? He had a better year than Cleveland Farrell. Probably, Chuck one up for Bruce. Did he have a better one than Rashawn Gary? Yes, he did. There you go. Chuck one up for Bruce. Sometimes I get stuff right. Yep. So I like Anthony Jennings. I think I don't think he's going to be a double-digit sack guy. I think he's. I worry about the length. He's a little shorter. He's got kind of a stockier build. He, I don't think he has stand-up versatility. I don't think you can play him at linebacker. You know, he moves fluidity in space, but only enough that you're comfortable with him playing the zone read, right? And because of the instincts, I think. I actually think Shaq Lawson is a reasonable comp for Anthony Jennings. What he's become, not what we thought, Shaq Lawson. Because Shaq Lawson actually tested fairly well. He was a, a pretty good athlete. I don't think Anthony Jennings is going to test that well. I think what Shaq Lawson has become is what I'm thinking for Anthony Jennings. Remember the way Shaq Lawson played against the Ravens and how grateful we were to have his instincts in space against the zone read? Yes. That's the kind of role that I would envision for Anthony Jennings. Hmm. Yeah, that, that resonates a lot with me. That makes a lot of sense. I don't think he's going to be an upper echelon guy. I don't think you take him and go, well, our edge problems are solved. But I I guarantee you he's a player, and he's someone I believe can be on a roster and play for a long time. Okay. I have some questions, but we'll talk about – well, I'll ask you these questions after we go through the fourth one. What is the fourth defensive end on your list? The fourth – Edge, on my crush list. Edge, sorry, edge, not end. Is Jabari Zuniga, Florida. What number is he? He is edge 11 for me. Oh, gosh, so we went down. Okay, keep going. But mind you, edge 11 for me still has a day two grade. So You must think more of this class than a lot of people. A lot of people think that there is a big, big, big time drop off after the first couple edge guys. I have 11 people with a day two or higher grade in the edge class. So yeah. is that a pretty that's a that's a pretty deep class for you, right? It's decent. It's not super deep. I mean think about eleven through, you know, let's just assume it's ninety six picks, right? One out of every nine, roughly, is an edge defender. Yeah. That's not crazy. Okay. Yeah, I guess not. Go ahead. So my big negative for Jabari Zuniga is I worry about his lower body thickness and his ability to anchor. And I think that those things 
can a year or two in an NFL strength program can help him fix that. If your huge negative is something that can be fixed, I'll spend a day two pick on you. So what's he good at? I have length, frame, speed to power, inside-outside experience for Jabari Janiga. I was really, I was thinking maybe a first-round pick coming in this year. I watched the Florida-Miami game, one of the opening college football games. I I watched this game this year specifically watching Jabari Zaniga. I came into the year thinking, hey, let's keep an eye on this guy. He didn't quite have the year that I think would have made him a first-round pick. But all the tools are still there. And if you're really toolsy and your big negative is I worry about your lower body thickness, you know, uh, Mike Mayock always talked about people having a bubble butt and being able to anchor against stout offensive tackles who will just literally just drive you, throw you out of the club. Think about someone like Jabari Zuniga against Cody Ford. I think if Cody Ford got his hands on Jabari Zuniga, he'd drive him into the water boy. And that's my big, my big negative for Jabari Zuniga. But I think that can be fixed. And I think he would have a role immediately as a situational pass rusher in the NFL. Okay. So one of the things we've talked about previously is that, well, you know what, actually, can we go back through? Can you go from top to bottom? I don't think we, I don't know if we did that in what order we actually did them in, but who was your top crush that we talked about? Highest overall grade or highest? Highest, you know, DE grade. Curse Weaver is the highest of all the people we talked about. Okay. Weaver was number what? Five. Then who next? Taylor was seven. Okay. Jennings was eight. Okay. And Zaniga was 11. Okay. With these guys. Gladney is uh, cornerback three. Corner three. Okay. So with these guys, you have talked about previously pass rushing with a plan. I have. Take a second and describe what that means. And then who do you think is most... Who is furthest along with that as of now? And it might be obviously the top guy because that would make sense, right? That's a desirable trait to have. But talk about what that means in general and then where these guys land on that. Pass rushing with a plan. So there are two parts to that. The first is being able to go into a snap that's a pass rushing down, having a good idea of what move you're going to pull out that you think will give you the highest probability of success. Steve Tasker actually talked about this when he was talking about gunning on special teams. He talked about, okay, I've already used this move earlier in the, or in the, in, earlier in the game. And he responded this way. So now here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this move that looks a lot like the move I already gave him. And then I'm going to counter with this. That's part of rushing with the plan. The second part of rushing with the plan is... What do I do if he stones my first move, right? If I say, you know what? I could totally speed rush this guy. Totally got it. And I dip my shoulder and he just shoves me and I'm off balance. Do I have a plan? Is there a counter move? Is there anything I got going on at this point? So if I already know if he oversets, I'm going to do this. If he makes a mistake, I know I'm going to do this. But what if he doesn't make a mistake? What if the tackle actually stones my first move? Then what do I do? In regards to this, even though I said that Curtis Weaver is someone who needs to develop a secondary move better, I would say Curtis Weaver probably is the best at this. Then I would say Anthony Jennings after that. As far as the people who do this rush with a plan, best of the people we've talked about. 
Now, obviously, there are edge rushers who do it better. But of the people we've talked about, I'd say Weaver and Jennings. The other thing I think a lot of people, you know, what if, if you grew up learning about football by just watching and maybe some highlight shows, maybe some analyst shows, but a lot of the commentary during the game, you learn that there are guys who will speed rush you and there are guys who will bull rush you. So who has the best of each of those of who we talked about today? So important to note that speed is an archetype. Power is an archetype. So speed and power archetypes. Then within those archetypes, there's moves, speed rip, speed counter. You know, um, the spin move would be considered a speed move, right? Because it's built off of the fact that you probably overset and you can get up and under them, right? So if you think about it this way, if you're trying to classify moves, moves would fall under speed or power typically, right? That's a kind of a good way to start thinking about these things. Curtis Weaver, I don't think is a speed rusher. I think he's much more of a power rusher than a speed rusher. I think his bull is good. I think his inside, he has some lateral agility like we talked about before, right? But it's not, I don't think he's got the burst and the bend to really threaten you off the edge. And because of that, because he doesn't have the threat of that, he doesn't have the counter moves that come from the threat of that. So I think that that's probably a good way to classify Curtis Weaver. I think Jennings and Weaver have similar similar lack of those crazy burst bendy things. Darrell Taylor's a speed rusher. He absolutely is. He has the length and the bend and the burst and the dip. So everything you're going to get from him is going to be a speed rush or an agility move off of a speed rush. And the other thing that Darrell Taylor's got, he's got motor. Motor, 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 relentless motor. He will come after you. And so... I think with the people we've talked about, Jabari Zuniga, I think, has a little bit more of that. You can kind of break these into two groups, right? Weaver and Jennings would be on one side, and then Taylor and Zuniga would be on the other side. I mean, they're not the same. Obviously, I'm not trying not to group them. If you really want to take a high-level view of this, that's how you would look at it. And I'd say I would classify Weaver and Jennings more as power rushers, and I would classify Taylor and Zuniga more as speed rushers. Again, we're, we're, we're oversimplifying this stuff. Because I could spend, you know, 40 minutes on one of these scouting reports. But we're oversimplifying it to try and get people the right buckets. Okay. So these guys are your crushes, right? They are. The the defensive ends, the edges. Let's talk about those guys. Which of them do you think come to the Bills and can take, you know, meaningful first rotation snaps? Weaver. Maybe Taylor, maybe Zaniga, depending on stylistic choices. And a lot of it depends on whether or not Shaq Lawson's there. Well, I'm assuming in this case, we're talking about Shaq going. So we're talking about Jerry Hughes being one end. Okay. Which one of these people can come in and start over Trent Murphy? Yes. We Actually, to be honest, I think all four of them can. But that's because I'm not a huge Trent Murphy guy. Um, I actually think that A.J. Epinesa, who we'll talk talk about later in this draft process, I think A.J. Epinesa is what people think Trent Murphy should be. You know, that, that big, strong, long, you know, power rusher. Do any of these guys start over Shaq Lawson? Probably not. Our, Shaq Lawson gives you too much. Yeah, so if Shaq stays, 
and you've got Jerry and Shaq as your first rotation. Then you've got Trent Murphy, Mike Love, and Daryl Johnson as the second rotation as it stands now. All of these guys would be somebody you would be very excited or comfortable with having in the second rotation. Absolutely. And I would think all four of these people I've just talked about, I think would be an upgrade over Trent Murphy at DE3. If Shaq walks, are any of these guys good enough to plug the hole in that bucket on its own? I don't think... I think Weaver can give you Shaq production. I think it plugs the hole. I don't think you upgrade it significantly, though, because I like Shaq. I don't think Weaver's going to be a 14-sack-a-year guy. I think out of all the people I talked, I talked about, ironically enough... Taylor and Zuniga have higher ceilings and Jennings and Weaver have higher floors. And if you'll notice, the two people with higher floors happen to be higher on my rankings. Right. So where do you imagine these guys are going to go? You think they're all going to be gone by the time the start of day three? Yes, I do. Okay. I think there's a possibility that Jennings or Taylor or Zuniga is probably might be might might fall into the fourth. Right. But I, I would doubt it. Would you be comfortable with all of these guys in, on in the second? No, I would only be comfortable with Weaver in the second. Rest of them would be third? Yep. Is there a stylistic fit for what the Bills' defense wants out of a defensive end? You know, like, there's, we were talking about, like, there's power ends and there's speed ends, right? Is there one or the other that fits more what Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott are asking their ends to do on the regular? When you have a base 4-3 end it opens it a lot more to power rushers. When you have a 3-4 offensive line, when you have an odd front, right? When you have a 3-4 defensive lineman, you're, you know, you're a 5-tech, you, you don't have a choice. You're you're you got people on each side. Speed rushing from a 5-tech position is not really a thing. But when you have 3-4 outside linebackers, you're looking for speed guys there. You know, you can have power guys there, but usually power guys are bigger and bigger guys move less in space and so people like AJ Epinesa, for example, I think is a clearly only a 4-3 end. And when you're dealing with a base 4-3 defense that does not shift their fronts, you know, the Bills do not offer you multiple fronts on defense. They don't offer you a 3-4 and then a 4-3 and then 3-4. They don't mix up their looks. That opens it up to, okay, we can have someone like A.J. Epinesa or Curtis Weaver, someone who can't be a 3-4 outside linebacker and be crazy fluid in space. We can have people like that in our defense. So it just, it opens you up to more options when you have a 4-3 than if you have a 3-4. When you have a 3-4, you're, you need that person to be capable of winning on the edge and speed. Because if they were a power rusher, they're probably bigger. And if they're probably bigger, they probably don't move well in space, in which case they probably should be playing linebacker. All right, well, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up then. That will conclude this week's episodes of the Nick and Nolan Show. This will conclude our Friday show. We hope that you are enjoying the two episode per week arrangement that Nick and Nolan are bringing to you guys via Buffalo Rumblings during the offseason. Please head over to the iTunes store. We would absolutely love to see some new reviews, people telling us what they think of the pod and what they enjoy or what you think of uh, what we're doing here at Buffalo Rumblings. We'd love to hear from you. You can follow me on Twitter at N-I-C-K-B-A-T. You can follow Bruce at Bruce Exclusive. And as we leave you for the weekend, until we come back to you next week, We do want to give you one little word of wisdom. You know, it's Friday. We're we're making it into the weekend. Just hold on. Just make it through the workday. 
And here's something that's going to help you get to the end. I do the cha-cha like a sissy girl. I like a do the cha-cha.